I just want to do God's will. What you're seeking is a blessing from God. You must expect a miracle. You have the power of choice. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to Life Today Live. Glad to have you here on this Monday. If you are live, if you're watching in the replay, always glad to have you as well. Okay. We're gonna we're gonna light up the internet with this one. We're gonna we're gonna talk about race and culture and bias and all sorts of fun things. You're gonna have a good good time with this one. I have a couple of great guests with me. Uh, they have a book out, and I'll show you the book. It's called Colorful Connections, and you know, really, the goal here is to learn to talk to each other and get along better and love each other the way Jesus told us. So with that framework, I will introduce my guest. Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith has been on here multiple times. She is an actual doctor, internal medicine doctor, Um, and she's written a lot of of great books, a lot of great insight. Glad to have her back. And I'm glad to meet Lori Stanley Roosevelt with me as well. They are co-authors of this book on race. So uh, chat is open. Jump in. Be a part of the conversation if you're watching live. Uh, if you're watching later, leave leave a nice comment uh, in the comment section, and I do read those. We appreciate those. Ladies, great to have both of you on the program. Dr. Smith, good to see you back again. Great to see you. Thanks for having us. And Lori, great to meet you here on Life Today Live. Yeah, thanks so much. I appreciate this. Uh, so I got lots of questions, but let me start with... Um, I guess sort of just the foundational one is is kind of give me an overview, both of you, if you don't mind, of what you the book is about and why you're addressing this issue, because a lot of people have addressed it. Um, but yet you guys felt you had something to say. And I want to hear what it is. Sure. I, I, I think Dr. Smith will tell you, too, that neither of us really wanted to jump into this topic. We both write about other topics, really. And. Uh, but one of my readers challenged me. I've written a, my previous book was The Art of Hard Conversations. So in the summer of 2020, I was staying very silent, mostly because I felt like who needed to hear from an old white woman during the summer of 2020. But uh, one of my readers said, you know, please write about this because we need to know how to have a hard conversation about it. And I took that as a challenge from the Lord. And I wrote I, in writing, I thought, you know, I think my sticking place is starting with this question of, am I a racist? I feel like that's not a, a great question to start <laughs> conversations around. It's a, it's a dead end question. And so I, you know, perfectly thought of 12 other questions that I felt were, were better starting places for conversations. And my editor said that would be a great book, but you can't write it alone. You know, do you have the courage to have this conversation of writing with, you know, a person of, you know, doesn't look like you? And I thought, man, do I? I don't know. But I invited Sandra in and, and she had the courage. So I thought, OK, let's do this. Yeah, you picked a good one. Dr. Smith, why did you jump in on this one? Yeah, I got to admit when Lori's email came through, it was a little shocking. I mean, someone, I mean, I didn't really know Lori. We barely knew each other. We have the same literary agent and had sat across from each other at a, a luncheon or a breakfast, I think it may have been. But that's all we knew of each other. When I got her request, I think what really hit me as far as a reason to jump in and to even have this conversation was because initially it was like, why am I fearful about having this conversation with someone? And if I'm fearful about having it with, with her, 
what is the rest of the world doing? I mean, how do we get to a place of healing and helping each other if everybody's shying away from the hard conversations? So I thought it would be really helpful for people to see how do two strangers who don't live in similar circumstances. Lori lives in, is a white female living in Rhode Island. I'm a black woman living in the South, in Alabama. How do these two people with such different experiences have a conversation about race, which has always been a difficult topic, and do it in a way that is God-honoring, do it in a way that leads to healing and, and leads to renewed relationships rather than division and strife, which is what we're seeing a lot right now. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that division and strife, uh, well, I think we know where it ultimately comes from, but I think it does, does come from buying into a lot of bad ideas. But, all right, uh, start start with this, if you don't mind. Uh, and, Dr. Smith, we'll start with you, but I want to hear from both of you. How do you define race? Yeah, I think that's, that's the question that tends to come to mind. Lori and I, we really had a conversation about this before we even jumped in in that we believe that there is one race. We use the term race because it's what people are familiar with, mm. but we believe there's a human race and that within the human race that there are multiple ethnicities, multiple cultural references, multiple lifestyles that people live. But we use that just as a general reference point mm. because we know that that's, that's really what, how most people define these conversations. Mm -hmm. Laura? Yeah, so throughout the, throughout, throughout the book, we do talk about skin color, ethnicity, we do use those terms, but but race is just the vernacular. So, you know, at some point we have to decide, are we going to, you know, what are we, what hill are we going to die on? And are we going to, you know, are we focused on communicating or are we focused on making a point with every breath? And, uh, you know, for me, it's about like, look, we've got to find a place to connect and communicate. That's important. Sure. Yeah. Then the reason I asked the question is, uh, because I was curious if, I mean, I wouldn't think being Christians that we aren't falling into the uh, evolutionary idea of separate ancestry uh, and therefore fundamental differences that can, color would be one of them, right? So you, you know what I'm talking about? Because when, when I was in school, they liter literally taught us that the, there were three races, uh, even though when Darwin was in investigating this, he read about, what, 15 different races. But we were taught there were three races, Asian, African, Caucasian, and that they they evolved from common ancestor but evolved differently. And so I'm assuming that there is no connection to any of that with you guys. No, absolutely not. We believe, <laughs> we believe in the Bible version of how we were all created, which means we all came from one single source. And so, and that being the the viewpoint, there from our standpoint, there is one race, and that's the human race. So, would you consider race uh, in our culture at least uh, more of a social construct? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I and and it's important to get off that that grid to get off that. You know, like that's just the beginning of a matrix that society has created around this conversation that we need to say, look, we're going to step off. We're going to come over here and we're going to have an actual conversation. We're going to leave that design that's designed. You know, it's a it's a um, in Star Trek, it's Kobayashi Maru. It's a, it's an unwinnable loop. <laughs> we're stuck. We're stuck on that, and, and we need to get off that into a track that gives us the possibility of moving forward. Mm 
I love the Star Trek reference. All right. Half the audience went, what? The other half went, that's right. <laughs> All right. So let's get in to the better questions. And, well, before we get to the better questions, what do you think are the bad questions that we tend to ask when it comes to what we will call race, culture, color, all those things. Um, let's see. Lori, go ahead. Well, I think that there's the shame and blame set of questions that are, you know, like, you know, what do you, I think a lot of, there's a lot of shame that comes up in this conversation on everybody's part. I know I, I can speak for myself, but you know, I grew up in the 60s and 70s. I thought we'd be done with this yeah. right now. I really thought with my grandparents it would die out, you right. know, and, and that this would not be still something we're discussing at this point. So there's shame on my part, but like, man, how have we not made more progress? Um, I, you know, there, there have been times when I've been shamed for being white and, and, you know, blamed for this, for the situation. And I want to take responsibility for my own actions, for my own thoughts, but I can't carry the, the blame for everybody's gone before me or people who make wildly different choices than I do. So it's the, those kind of questions about, you know, like, are you, you know, are you racist or, or have you accepted yet? Basically, I, I don't like the question. Have you accepted yet that you're a racist? Like, <laughs> no, no, like, no, <laughs> no, I, not since I know I, that's not part of my fabric. Do I have cultural insensitivities at times? Are there things that I'm still learning about people who are different than I am? Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. I still want to learn to love. But. Yeah. Well, I ask my wife. She'll tell you that I still have some insensitivities <laughs> and that have nothing to do with cultural. <laughs> and, and so no doubt it would spill over into other areas. Dr. Smith, what do you think maybe some of the bad questions that we tend to ask would be? Yeah, I know one that I, I hear often is, is this really still an issue? <laughs> and it's like uh, if, if one person is still feeling as if they are being marginalized or in some way overlooked or discriminated against, then it's still an issue for that person. And I think that, you know, a lot of the questions we try, we tend to try to look at them as this kind of gigantic big picture, but I, I really want, you know, and I think the heart behind this book is to draw it closer, to make it more individualized, to make it more of a connection between you and the person in front of you. Not so much trying to see if you can change the entire world. Can you be an influence in your immediate atmosphere yeah, yeah, so that yeah. you can start seeing a change right where you're at. Yeah. Now, and I think that's important because it seems like a lot of people want to solve the world's problems and in doing so they do more damage. But I think you're right. Just can you have a relationship with the person right there? You know? So let's get to the good questions. Dr. Smith, since you're on the screen, thanks to zoom. Um, what are, what are some of the better questions that we should ask? I think one of the questions that I love for people to start with is, why should I enter this conversation? I think the heart has to first be positioned in the right way for people to even start engaging. And so I know for Lori and I, that was the question we both answered in the very first chapters. What is our motivation even behind wanting to have these conversations? And for myself, it was, I, I look at, I have two brown skinned boys. And so I look at them and I want them to, I want them to, their one is in college, the other one's an 11th grader. When my son gets out of college, I want him to be able to feel like he shows up to a job interview and that 
before they even, you know, start making any judgments based off of what he can bring to the table, they give him an opportunity to present who he is, not his race, not anything else, but just what he brings to the table with his intelligence, with his personality, all of those intrinsic things. And I think for each of us, we have to start there. What is my motivation to even enter into the conversation? Don't enter in because you want to say that you're woke. I don't even know what that really means to say that you're woke, but that is not why you're entering the conversation. You don't enter in to check it off a box. Yeah. You enter in because your heart's in a position to want to be able to learn how to love people more thoroughly and to give every person an opportunity. You know, I, th- I think that checkbox is more for me than it is for you. You know what I'm saying? To, to, be, to be able to come in and say all the right phrases and all the right posturing um, I, I, I don't know. My perception is that a lot of the the virt, it is virtue signaling is signaling so that I feel better, not so that I actually do a whole lot feel better. All right, I want to hear from you guys, not me. You can tell this is a topic that, <laughs> that we like to talk about. Um, Lori, what what maybe do you think is a a better question to ask as well? I think Doctor Smith pointed out a great one, but you got twelve of them, so pick another one. <laughs> Yeah, how do a couple of them that I like are how do I how do I how am I slow to offend? How do I restrain my anger and be be slow to offend? Uh, how can I love other people better? And I believe like what do we gain by listening to one another? Uh, you know, I believe that it we uniquely serve a God who presents Himself as one who hears. He distinguishes himself from false gods and idols as I speak, I hear. And so we represent God really well when we when we hear one another, when we are hearing people. And so those questions, how can I, you know, what do I gain by listening to you? How can I listen to you better? How can I love you better? How can I be slow to anger? That's really, you know, those are important things because in order to create a space, safe space for each other, we have to be slow to offend. Yeah, and and not take offense either, uh, um, and that that is important. It's easy. I I, I ha- I'm exhibiting the tendency is we want to come out and state our position, and I, I to be able to sit and listen and learn, it's not always easy, especially in one of these hot button topics. Um, I, a lot of it. I, I think is based in fear. Uh, we're afraid to have this conversation. We're afraid we might say the wrong thing. Uh, we're afraid someone's going to disagree and it's going to blow up. Uh, how do we get past the fear of having this conversation, uh, Lori? Yeah, some of it is about the way we enter conversations. For one thing, we need to slow our conversations down. A lot of times, social media is like I love social media because it brings me to people, but there are conversations that it's not the best place to have these conversations. So one face to face, person to person, we need to begin to develop the confidence that that's a a powerful agent again and slow conversations down, talk about guide, um, you know, uh, ground rules before we even start talking. Let's, you know, how are we going to keep each other safe? You know, what do we want to accomplish in this conversation? Why are we here? And maybe we're going to, maybe we commit to, we don't put all this weight on one conversation. We say, let's, let's plan to have a few. So 
so we don't have to make this one conversation do all the work for us. Mm-hmm. That's good, Doctor Smith. How do we how do we get past the the fear? Um, do you think the fear is worse for minorities or for the white majority? I don't know. After writing this book with Lori, I I, I think there's the, there's fear on both sides. Mm-hmm. It's just a the the type the reason for the fear is different. And I don't want to speak for Lori, but I just you know as we were taught have talked and we've led groups and different things through this and hearing other people talk from different ethnicities, you know what I'm hearing is primarily Lori. One of the main things she kept saying was that. You know, I I was I didn't want to offend you. I didn't, you know, I didn't want to say something that was going to hurt your sure. feelings even more. I'm, you know, I already know that this situation is kind of tenuous as far as how do we approach it. Mm-hmm. And then from my standpoint, a part of the fear is can I be fully transparent in in my pain? Um, because I do I I don't want to hurt her, but I want to be able to tell my truth as it is. And so I I think there's some fear on both sides, and I think. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that really helped us both as we were working through this ourselves is to give each other grace to mess up sometimes. I told Lori, she was like, I'm afraid we're going to like get into arguments or have a disagreement about something. And I'm like, I hope we do. That's what people are needing. They're needing to see us work this out because there's going to be times you're going to say something where I could become offended or vice versa. Mm -hmm. But can we stay in the conversation past our fears, past our insecurities, past our shame or whatever else the enemy tries to bring up in the middle of it. Can we stay in this? Can we stay in this discomfort together and get to the other side of it? And I think we just have to. We almost just have to confront the fear head on. I think the fear is what's keeping us bound and out of relationship with each other. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know any two people alive, regardless of gender or skin color, who, given enough time, won't say something that offends or hurts the other person. I mean, that's. That's the human condition more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, what, Dr. Smith, what, are there any questions that people ask that are just like, just like coming from a bad place that kind of just need to be done away with? Does that make sense? <laughs> it does. And one that immediately came to mind is, you know, when when everything was happening in 2020, all the different news stories, you pick which one you want to talk about, but all the different news stories, I, I would occasionally have friends who would reach out and say, I don't understand why, you know, why black people are so upset about X, Y, Z. And I would have to answer that question is I can't speak for all black people because I don't represent my entire race. I can speak from my experience. And so I think that's kind of one of the things we have to, to, to realize is that nobody can, and even in the book, we talk about that, nobody can speak for an entire race. We're two women sharing our unique experience as, mm-hmm. as a model for others to be able to see, but every person's experiences are different. And so I think that's one of those questions where it's like, why do certain races do this? Or why do certain ethnicities, so to speak, or cultures or groups, you know, have church this way. Why? Another example, why is black church always so loud? You know, one of the examples Lori gives in the book is that she went to a black church that was completely, you know, the opposite of that. You know, there was no hand clapping or any of those things that people tend to associate. So I think we have to understand that those questions actually already come 
with some implicit bias. And mm-hmm. it, it all there's already there. There's already the stereotyping. There's already the in-group, out-group mentalities that are in place when those questions are presented. And so we have to recognize that sometimes we, we do that. Um, and it's, you know, is, is it a something to get down on yourself about? No, but it's something to recognize mm-hmm. because that's a place where there's growth. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Lori, question for you. Do you, have you had the same experience? I mean, you're from the Northeast, which is quite different than Texas. So I recognize that there's a, a cultural gap there, but <laughs> have you, have you experienced the situation where uh, you feel like, whether it's true or not, sometimes it is, sometimes I'm sure it isn't, but you feel like someone's judging you because you're white, saying you're white, which, is, again, is a that's a blanket statement, cultural statement that I'm like, do you even know? I mean, because you call it, you know, my biological father is 100% Irish. You call it someone who's actually Irish in Ireland english and you got a fight on your hands so it's like that's not even fair but do you feel like you're judged on the basis of your skin color in a way that's negative because i know there are times that i have i've felt that way and i'm like that's we're, this is what we're fighting against this is not fair just to begin with and that puts you on the defensive have you ever experienced that one yeah oh yeah in the workplace it's been a really odd um you know like, I, I mean i think that's why i appreciated that Sandra was willing to have this conversation with me because, you know, I know it's only been five minutes compared to people of color, but I I do really feel a lot of people making decisions about me based on the fact that I'm white Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, making assumptions about my political, you know, I'm white and Christian. So people think they know my politics. They think they know, you know, they've got the whole riot act read about me already based (laughs) on how I look. And, you know, Sandra and I learned about things about each other as we did this. And, you know, and I come from a town in Rhode Island that's about 95% Caucasian. And so it was interesting to me when um, Sandra sent me, because we, we, we would start a, a chapter and then send our stuff and the other one would respond. And I saw her say something about, oh, I was pleasantly surprised to see, you know, the different experiences that Lori had had. And I was like, what did you think? Like, where did you, you know, like, what did you think? I've only interacted with white people and sitting at my desk kind of reacting, but it, you know, it's true, but we all have those. We all have misunderstandings about each other. It doesn't, you know, like I, I, one of my toughest conversations that I put in the book was a huge, became a huge argument and everyone at the table was white. So like we, we don't always agree. We don't always understand one another. I encourage people to get this book and start talking with someone who looks like you. You're going to find that you don't always agree with those people and you need to, you know, we need to work things out with individuals, not with, we certainly can't all, you know, we can't sit down one color group with another and hash things out. That's unrealistic. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I have, I have long thought that just some of the assumptions are, are just stupid because I know I got, you know, black Christian brothers that are, we have way more in common than I do a lot of people from your area of the country, Lori. I mean, you know, yes. it's it's just, I, I, I've, I've never understood how we generalize so much. Uh, and, and it's just it's just insane to me. How do we how do we get past this? And, and I know 
Dr. Smith said one of the questions she doesn't like is, is this still an issue? But yet, can this just not be an issue? Can we just can we just love each other? I mean, Rodney King said it in the 80s. Can we all just get along? Come on, you know? I think it's going to take individuals just the courage to begin to talk to one another again, to begin to believe that we have the power in conversation to do this work and to and to ignore some of the talking heads that are insisting that this has to be this way or this has to be this way. Go, no, you know what? We're leaving you. We're we're just going to do this. We're just going to be friends. And and to stop buying into the headlines and look at what we actually see. My even though my town is ninety five percent Caucasian, I actually have a church with people of color. You know, we have we are a mixed church. How God brought that together, I don't know. It's not to our credit. We didn't go you know, out trying to determine that God just brought us together. And both Dr. Uh, Smith and I are, we see within the church a coming together of people of all different colors. That's our experience. That's mm. our norm, yeah. despite what anybody says. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, my, mine too. And it wasn't because I was out seeking. It was just God mm-hmm. called, you know, in Revelation, I think five, it's called every tribe, every nation, and, and made them one. So I guess the Christian experience for me has always been one of multiculturalism, yeah. uh, but oneness at the same time in Christ. When you get outside of that, it gets very difficult. Um, mm-hmm. I don't see any solution outside of Christ, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, I, I hope for the sake of others there is. Dr. Smith, how do we, how do we, get, how do we get this settled? How do, how do we get this to not be a, such a, a sticking point, a sore issue, especially in the church? Yeah, I think I think there's a ripple effect. I, you know, one of the things we talked about, Lori and I, when we were kind of thinking forward with this book, is like, what you know, what exactly is our prayer that God will do? And it's really, it's not necessarily that God will open these conversations up in you know, church, massive churches or conferences or anything like that, but that that it will be used at the dining room table Mm. when you're sitting down with your kids and you're building and structuring relationships within your family and how they're going to extend outside of your house or within your boardroom if you're someone who's in leadership that you're you're learning the skills necessary to have these type of conversations and expand your connection pool because expand the people that you're having relationship with and being able to do so from a place where you feel comfortable having harder conversations and allowing healing to occur, you know, not just trying to ignore things. Mm -hmm. I think too often when we have these hard topics, we think if we just ignore it, maybe it'll go away. Mm -hmm. And that's what we've been doing for a long time. It doesn't go away. It's like a wound. If I just, if I have a wound and someone comes to my emergency room and I say, hey, let's just cover it up. It's not too bad. (laughs) Go away. It's just going to keep festering and eventually it's going to become septic, which means it's going to take over the whole body. And I feel like that's what racism has become. It's septic within the church and within the community. So it's been festering for a long time, and we're just letting it kind of just keep getting worse and worse, mm-hmm. where we got to rip the Band-Aid off and start kind of probing into why we think the way we think, why we act and respond to certain people and situations. And then what hard work does God and Holy Spirit need to do in us to get us to a place where we are healthier and can take a healthier version of ourselves out into the world mm-hmm. so we can start seeing some of that change. Yeah, I, I I do think it's difficult in the culture at large when there are 
politicians that campaign on the division, uh, and I'm not pointing one finger one part or the other. I'm saying anytime anybody is, is, you know, politicking and winning, gaining power on division, and you have a lot of special interest groups that are using this issue to raise money, and neither of those, I think, are of God. Um, I, I don't know. I see the I see the only way that any peace will come out of this is is in Christ. I, I just, you know, I, I and, and so um, it gives me hope, <laughs> but it also, if you're outside of Christ, I'm kind of going, you're on your own, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. Great conversation. I just looked at the clock and I could, we could go on forever, but I won't. Uh, so I'll give you guys both uh, a little bit of a, a last word, whether it's about the book or about just the issue of race in general, whichever you want. Uh, but first of all, I appreciate the conversation. I'm always down for the conversation. Um, but I also appreciate the spirit in which you're coming from because I think that's the only one that's going to work, uh, and that is Christ. That is uh, one of love your neighbor as yourself because I'm going, look, the solution to all of our societal racial issues are right there in Jesus' simple words. Love the Lord God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. Problem gone away. But uh, that, that's my <laughs> that's my two cents. Dr. Smith, I'll start with you. Final word on, on this topic or on the book. Yeah, my final word is just to to begin where you're at. You know, you may, you probably don't feel like you have all the answers, and that's the perfect place to begin. You may be afraid of starting the first conversation. If that's the case, start with listening. Just getting yourself in spaces where you can hear others sharing their experiences, listening to their stories, and giving them the grace to be able to do so. Um, the information within the book will help you on that journey, but it's not really about you having all the correct answers. It's just having the courage and and we just want to help equip you with that to be able to move forward. There's a lot of resources available with the book. You can learn about all of those at colorfulconnectionsbook.com, including a pre-prayer journal that gives you kind of a the initial heart work to get started with all of that, um, as well as um, discussion guide, as well as conversation starter questions. So a lot of resources just to try to support you on your journey. Great. That uh, is in the chat for you guys that are watching live. ColorfulConnectionsBook.com. Lori, your final thoughts on this tough topic. Well, Randy, it really is inspired by what you've been saying over and over that you've been talking about in the church and the church and through Christ. This is not racial reconciliation isn't an elective course for people in the church. It is the gospel. Mm. Yeah. This is the gospel. Yeah. And so don't imagine that you're you're adding on to your faith or you're you're venturing into some territory that's foreign. This is what Jesus came to do is to reconcile us to him and and to each other. And so to engage in this is to engage in spreading the gospel. So this is this is a call to all of us. You, you know what? That is that is so true and so good. Uh that's it. It's the it's the gospel, and it transcends all all cultures, all backgrounds, economic backgrounds. Uh, it, that's that's the gospel, and we have to get to that. That is our only solution, ladies. Thank you both so much. What a wonderful conversation, uh, and the the place you're coming from is a place where healing can be found, and that is refreshing, and in, in today's culture, because that's not always the case, especially on this topic. So, thank you both. I appreciate you both. Thanks, Randy. Thank you. You guys, 
Hit share. Chime in if you're watching this later. Uh, this is a good topic, and you can check out the book, Colorful Connections, wherever you get books, and the resources at colorfulconnectionsbook.com. And come back. We've got more great interviews for you all week this week and next week and the next right here on Life Today Live. We'll see you again next time. We have an opportunity to make America a better nation. All we say to America... Be true to what you said on paper.